if you work hard and do the right thing, you know, and honest with your customers and build a program, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll take you a long ways and, and give you a really, you know, solid opportunity to have a, have a great career. From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Field. I'm your host, Caitlin Hurst. You said he taught you to let him be who he was. What, what does that mean? Um, I feel like just like people, I mean, all the, all the really good horses that I've had and, and even some horses that never made the show pen before, but what were just good horses, um, they all seem to have that, that, um, a strong personality, you know, I mean, they're, they're confident in who they are and, and they have, um, you know, they have a certain way that they like to do things, you know, and, and I feel like, um, that horse really taught me how to, um, get along because, you know, I mean, he was, he wasn't a fun horse to ride outside the show pen, you know, I mean, he was, he was a goofball about stuff. Like I said, I mean, he just spooking at the same banners at home that he's been loping around for you know four years he's you know you still think there's a monster in there you know and you go to town and go by lope by 50 banners and he stays rattled up and runs his circles perfect so i mean i i think that you know um once that horse learned his job and and learned what i wanted him to do and he could do it then i was able to just let him be him and go do other stuff other than coming home and feeling like I needed a practice, practice, practice at home because, you know, he already knew how to do it. So if I, if that meant, you know, roping the hot heels on him or, you know, or going and branding calves on him or going and doing other stuff on him to just let him be a horse and go ride him through the river and let him, you know, let him just, uh, you know, stay fit and be broke and enjoy himself, you know, like that, that's where he was happiest. He didn't, uh, he didn't really need to have you tune on him that much, you know, and as, as we got closer to the horse shows, we would just start sharpening the pieces a little bit as we go and, you know, clean a few things up here and a few things up there. And, and he was one that kind of taught me that, you know, if, if it only, you know, if it only takes you two or three days to get him ready to go show, then, don't spend a week on it, you know, because it's, it's unnecessary mileage and, and it doesn't necessarily make him perform any better, you know? Um, and so trying to find that on each horse, I feel like has been, has been really important in, in trying to let him be him himself. And, you know, the, the little things that they like to do during the day, if it means something to him and they enjoy it and they're happier because of it, I try to make sure that it happens. Those core key horses, do you feel like doing all kinds of different things on them is particularly important? Yeah, yeah, I do, because I, I think that it, it takes the pressure off of the horse show maneuvers when they have, you know, whether you're loading cattle trucks or gathering cattle outside or, or doing all the different things that, you know, anything that you can find to do, um, you know, I think it... I think it takes the pressure off of the rider too, because when you're out there and you're gathering and, or, you know, sorting calves or whatever you're going to be doing, you're not necessarily trying to keep your horse, um, sharp. You're just doing the job, you know? And, and so by doing that, it lets the pressure off of you, lets the pressure off your horse, 
and and kind of allows him to go uh just go get the job done which which I've kind of tried to do with the majority of my horses is is just have them in that frame of mind of like you know let's be consistent and let's get the job done consistent and get the job done and then if that if that right cow comes along to where you can capitalize on it and and take that next step then hopefully we're prepared and you know we make the right decisions to make that happen you know but if if not you know i want to make i want to make solid runs make the finals have solid runs in the finals and let it be where it's going to be it almost sounds like you prepare yourself and your horses through consistency and, and wait for that opportunity to come that you can't make it happen. Yeah, and 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 I I feel like that's um, you know my dad was always uh, really adamant about consistency. Like we don't we ride the same every day. We're you you're try to be as fair as you possibly can and um and and be consistent so that horse knows and understands without a shadow of doubt there's no gray area there he he knows what you're asking him to do and um and that's that's the way to be fair and be a good horseman is you have to be fair and you have to be um you know honest with them and yourself and 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 just trying to be as consistent as you can um you know and Harold Farron was a was a uh was a big um, he was a big mentor of mine for sure that that was very adamant in in really the thought process of of training a horse you know and um he had he had so many different ideas that were completely out of the box um from most horse training techniques just because of his uh um, background in training horses um, that that really he focused so much on what that horse was thinking all the time not what he was doing but what he was thinking and and I feel like that really helped me um, be a lot more aware of how the exercises or the way I was riding my horse was how my horse was thinking about it afterwards made me a lot more aware of you know, the overall outcome and why it happened the way it did, you know, um, whether it was good or bad. Can you take us to a moment with Harold where maybe he was, you were learning something out of the box? Um, or an experience that just stands out in general? Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. (laughs) Um, yeah, Harold was a very, uh, very eccentric guy in the sense that it's like he he was so in depth with um, his his thought process and training horses and you know he he grew up through um, and training circus horses and doing liberty acts and from the time he was a little kid so so his thought process of training a horse didn't really start with um cow horses or rainers or cutters or anything else like he started off just training show horses in order to be able to put on a performance at Knott's Prairie Farm and so um, being able to do a liberty act with eight head horses with nothing on them you know takes you know that, that I've never even tried to do it so <laughs> I, I couldn't even explain how hard it must be you know but or how much thought process it would take in order to get all those pieces of the puzzle to fit um 
So for for Harold, when it was talking about just teaching one to turn around, it was it seemed pretty simple for him, you know. And so um, I think the big thing that that Harold used to always always preach to me was was just um, that the process of training a horse, you know. Um, was uh, so important to not be insulted if a horse made a mistake, you know. And I think that he was he wanted him to make a mistake. He's like, that's okay. It's good for him to make that mistake and find out that that's not the direction we're going. They're gonna they're gonna try all kinds of different things before they go through the right door. When they go through the right door and you pet him on the neck and tell him he was a good boy and um, and let him know that 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 was what you wanted. Uh, do you have the whole turnaround yet? No, but you did get two good steps, you know, and that is two good steps turned into three and three turned into four and pretty quick your horse turns around, you know, and so it, it was, it was like that for him with everything that we did, whether it was stopping, whether it was changing leads, it was, um, he was, uh, always about setting, setting the horse up in a situation where he could succeed instead of looking for him to make a mistake and then trying to fix the mistake, you know? And so you're already behind the eight ball by the time you do that. So it was always about, um, you know, setting the horse up to win. And it, it was just amazing for me. I mean, I, you know, I, I just, uh, you're trying so hard in youth, you feel like if you do that reputation enough times, you know, um, with a horse that he's just going to start doing it right. And some horses they do. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because they do it doesn't mean they want to do it, you know. And and Harold's whole thought process was just to get that horse to want to do what you're – want to go the direction, want to stop, want to turn, want to, you know, want to stay with that cow, you know, and – and uh, that wasn't out of the ordinary from that many other people, but um, I, I feel like just the way he would break it down, you know, made it clearer for me to understand um, uh, the spots where I was kind of trying to force a situation and try to make it happen versus letting it happen. Um, and I feel like I, it took me, I'm still figuring out stuff that he was telling me from uh, years ago uh, that I thought I understood and then I'll feel it even just a few days ago. I'll feel it on a horse and then all of a sudden I'm like, mm, yep, that's what he was talking about right there. Like that level of, you know, of that horse really wanting to do that maneuver and that pure and that clean, that's what he was after. Hmm. Yeah, you said something that I thought was really interesting that he was – trying to show you or teaching you how to help the horse find the right door versus fixing their mistake. Yeah. Can you give us an example of that? Um, well, I, I think that, uh, well, like for example, like you could be, you could be turning a horse around and, um, and Harold might have me walking a circle on that horse and, and walking a tight circle and, and be just walking that horse around and, and finding a really good, clean, round shape to your horse where your horse's feet are moving clean, everything's going good. Um, 
and and rather than uh, rather than putting a lot of pressure on that horse, he would just have you keep working around there, keep keep walking that circle until that horse would just naturally they're going to want to take the shortest route possible to where you're going. When so when that horse find, starts to find that circle and 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 get soft right there, he starts taking the shorter route, starts slowing his hind end down pretty quick. That horse is is walking the front end around the hind end so which is basically a turnaround you know and so but we weren't anchoring him down and making him turn we were just walking a circle and that horse started to shorten himself down and finding that finding that step where he would lower his neck and just step into that turn and you would let him quit well the next time you walk that same circle you might get two laps around there and he finds that he finds that step and starts hunting that spot where he got to quit so his reward was him stepping in there. Mm-hmm. And so pretty quick, that's that's the snowball starting to go the right direction and starting to roll downhill. Well, he's, he's starting to hunt to get into the turn. So then he starts to get in the turn. Then him giving you the two steps, pretty quick, you start walking half a circle and let your let your inside leg off, and he starts turning because he gets to quit sooner. You know, so that... That starts the process of that horse wanting to be in the turnaround. Rather than putting a lot of outside leg on him and creating a lot of pressure and forcing him into the turnaround, he said, well, a horse only, you know, he he doesn't want to work any harder than he has to. And so if you teach them where the reward is, you know, then they're going to hunt the reward. And so I I feel like that process on a two-year-old from the get-go, you know, starts a train of thought with that colt for the rest of his life. And so if you don't have a good foundation there as a two-year-old of teaching that horse of how to look for the good spot or look for the reward, if they're always looking for, you know, or if they always feel like no matter, excuse me, no matter what they do, they um, get in trouble or they get reprimanded. If that's how they're, if that's how they're taking it, then you're going to have a really, really hard time later on when you have to uh, when you no longer have two hands on the reins or you're showing them in the hacker more or you go to start showing them in the bridle one-handed all that stuff's going to come out you know i mean that's you can only intimidate a horse so much and and it doesn't last it never lasts you know and so um you got to really try to think about the process of teaching that horse to um you know, look for that reward and then figure out how to, you know, that was the genius behind so many ideas that Harold had. It was all about what, what's the next trick. If we're training trick horses, what's the next trick, you know, mm-hmm. and I want him to put his head down. So when he does this, then I pet him, or, you know what I mean? Whatever his thought, whatever he wanted to teach the horse to do, he could do, you know, sounds like that's where that consistency comes in. Is at that reward point? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, if that horse is, is really starting to look for that reward, then when the going gets tough and it gets hard and we have to go, you know, out of our comfort zone or a tough cow or whatever it is, you know, those horses, they, they make good decisions right there because they're, they're making it for the right reason. They're not making it because, you know, that if they don't, you're going to school them. They're making it because this is a tough cow and he's not taking the turn. We're going to have to step up on to another horse length past him and make him turn, you know, and, and I think that's what those, that's what those horses, you know, like 
very smart smoke and Dom DeLuise and Mitch and those horses, they, they, you feel them make decisions on the fly, um, you know, going fast that, you know, it still makes you shake your head. You're just like, mm, that was really smart. Good choice. <laughs> I love that, that they make their own choices. Yep. Sounds like Harold was an incredible influence to have. Yeah, absolutely. As a young trainer. And then, of course, your dad. Yes. What are So you talked about consistency. What are some important lessons that you learned from your dad? You know, I, I, I really feel like, you know, growing up, uh, you know, with my mom and dad and their and, – and the hands-on family approach that we – had to to build in the business and and doing everything together like we didn't have people doing stuff for us it was just the three of us for a long time you know and uh you know it it really instilled um you know a strong work ethic and and the day in day out whether you feel like it whether you're sick or not sick or whatever it is you've we've got a barn full of horses that need to be taken care of and you know and responsibilities and and really instilled um that that if you if you work hard and and do the right thing you know and honest with your customers and build a program you know it'll it'll take you a long ways and, and give you a really you know solid opportunity to have a have a great career Regardless of whether you win or not, you know, I mean, it's, I think that it's really important to have, um, you know, that, that strong, consistent foundation, you know, um, which I really feel like I got that. And I hope that I'm able to pass that on with my kids, you know, as they, as they grow up and being a part of this industry that we're in. And, um, you know, there's, I think that's the, that's the great thing about, you know, the rain cow horse in general is just, uh, you know, there's, there's not anybody there that doesn't work hard for a living and, and appreciate it. And, you know, and we're all rooting for each other and all helping each other. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's a, it's a very special group of people for sure. Yeah. It's a very special industry in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody's very close and everybody yeah. is rooting for each other. It's yeah. not you against the other guy. No, it's really not, and and you know, I mean, I think that you know that that's that's something that's that's really special, and it's like you know, I'll call my dad for advice all the time, or visit when we're at horse shows, and and just talking about different horses and in different situations, and I do the same thing with all the guys that you know that that help me in the herd work, and um, and just just my really good friends that they all understand, you know, they're all, they're all going through the same struggles I am and, you know, and we can all call and talk about it and, oh, what'd you do with that one? And, oh, what'd you do with this one? And man, that horse looks way better at this show than the last show. What'd you do? And, um, you know, we're all constantly, uh, you know, we're all planning on being here for a long time, you know? And so I think that, uh, the short term really doesn't make a, doesn't make a difference and so i think that it's it's really all about um having a having a good time and being able to go show horses with your friends and whatnot i mean ultimately it's us against the cows anyways i mean so as as tough as they they have gotten these days mm-hmm. what about growing up working with horses with your dad are there any fun stories that come to mind anything you like to tell oh uh, <laughs> 
you know, I starting my, I actually still have the, the first horse I ever started, um, in the pasture out here. And I think he's, gosh, I think he's 26 years old now. Um, and I, that was the first horse, the first horse I started with my dad and we got to go through the whole process and, and, um, he helped me, but that was kind of the first one that he kind of basically just coached me through, you know, and I did, I did most of it in the beginning. Um, and, and that was a really fun horse that, that, that we owned. And, um, and I just remember like I had like, I don't know, I think I had maybe 20 or 30 rides on him and I was loping him around there or in the little covered arena there. And I'd sit down, and he'd stop, and he'd stop hard. And I was like, Paul, horse trainer, no big deal. This is easy, you know. Um, and I did it again. And then my dad's like, you know, he's he's just a baby. You know, maybe you shouldn't be maybe you shouldn't be doing that much, you know. I just let him cruise around, and, you know, he's, he's trying hard for you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I got this. About a week, I had him where he wouldn't even stop anymore. I think I probably stopped him every time my dad turned his back. I'd stop him. So, I uh, that was that was always something that we always laughed about a little bit, just because I I kind of felt like I already had it worked out. But little did I know, I had I had a long long ways to go. Um, but we had we started a lot of colts, and especially when I was working for him, you know, my dad was very hands on in the process of of starting the horses and you know, and helping us with all the young horses and whatnot. And so, um, you know, I got to start a lot of horses with him, you know, early, you know, all through high school and, and whatnot. And, and, um, I think the biggest thing is that, that, uh, he helped me so much with is he's so patient, you know, I mean, he's always going to give the horse the benefit of the doubt first, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not quick to reprimand one right off the bat. And, you know, I, I think, you know, for sure, I, I always felt like in the beginning stages, I was always in a hurry to try to get something done, you know, and I felt like if I got a little bit, I wanted a little bit more. And I just, I, I was always trying to rush things along. Maybe I didn't know it, but now looking back on it, I could, I, I am a lot more aware of it now, but I mean, that's, I was always trying to rush through things. And my dad was just very slow and methodical and patient about how he got it and, when my dad got one trained to do it, it was it was there for life. They still do the same, you know what I mean? They still do the same exercises that he taught them to do 20 years ago, you know? And so I think that uh, that was something that was always, you know, that, that his his patience and consistency, you know, I hope, I hope I get to that point someday. What does it mean to give a horse the benefit of the doubt? Um... I think I think for me, when you're talking about giving the horse the benefit of the doubt, uh, that just because they reacted to something in uh, in a way that you didn't want him to, um, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to do it that way the next time. And so, uh, giving him benefit of the doubt, you know, on a horse that that wants to m- maybe be spooky, you know, well, that's that's a trait that that horse has. So if he spooks from something and then you get after him for spooking, you just validated to him that what he just spooked at now just attacked him. And that's how he associates it. Mm -hmm. 
he doesn't associate it that if he spooks and you pick your hands up and just get him by whatever he didn't like, and you say, hey, but it's not that big of a deal. Just trust me. We're just going to go buy it. And uh, enough of that and pretty quick, even if he doesn't like it, he's just going to look at it and be like, mm, I don't like that, you know, but, but you're able to get him by it. Um, but if you get after him for that thing that he already does not like, which is obviously an inherent thing that he has in him, you know, he has, not everybody is going to be brave. I mean, people, dogs, horses, you know, I mean, it's, uh, um, it's something that that's part of that horse being an individual. And so you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, if he, if he spooks from that and throws his head up and runs off, I mean, that's a different deal. Like, you know, I mean, you're going to have to hopefully, you know, try to survive that wreck and get through it the next time. It sounds like you just try to earn their trust. So they'll do it anyways. Yeah. And I think, I think being able to support that horse right there and, and say, Hey, you know what, you, we need to get through this and I'm going to show you, we're going to get through it and nothing bad's going to happen. Then the next time he's going to be a little more trusting and a little more trusting and a little more trusting and pretty quick. It's not even a problem. And then if you don't, as long as you don't get him tangled up in a wreck, you know, that's, there's nothing to be afraid of. And he, he will learn to develop that over time. Mm-hmm. Um, what about something that you struggle with personally? Oh, in what way? Is there something in, I don't know, maybe nerves or anything that you feel like you have to be conscious of when you're working with horses or showing or. Oh, you know, I, I think that, um, I think that I've probably shown myself out of more checks than I can shake a stick at. Um, I think getting getting in the heat of the moment, you know, showing horses and, and trying to win and trying to force stuff to happen sometimes, you know, um, is, has been, you know, especially early on, you know, something that I had to kind of learn to, you know, um, try to trying to keep it under control as far as, um, you know, having a run that was starting off really well and, and rather than, you know, rather than just letting it happen and finishing it out and, you know, and, and capitalizing on that particular deal, you try to put a little extra, you know, try to put a little extra finish on it and cause yourself to have a problem there that you didn't, didn't need to have, you know, and, I've, I've really tried to work hard at, you know, at finding that, that sweet spot where you can, you know, um, where you're, you're showing your horse and you're showing the judges that you're showing your horse and you're going after that spot and showing them that you want to win, but, but still making good decisions in there, slowing it down in your mind and being able to make good decisions, time management, you know, um, trying to, trying to, you know, show your horse to the best of his ability and, and show him at his ability. Don't show him at, if he's a, you know, if he's a 72 horse, try to make sure you go mark 72. And, and maybe with good showmanship, you might even mark 73, you know. Um, but but you can guarantee if he's a 72 horse and you're trying to mark a 75, it's not going to go good, you know. And it doesn't matter how bad you want to mark 75, it's not going to happen. You know, and I think that that's something that um, I've I've tried to really hone in on and, and just try to show those horses 
at to the best of their ability you know um and if i can show at their ability consistently you know a lot of those horses will make the finals and and get a good check do you get nervous oh absolutely everybody gets nervous i hope (laughs) but um yeah i get nervous uh but I, I've always really enjoyed showing. I mean, I think I started showing when I was seven or eight, um, and I I always enjoyed showing. Um, and so I don't get nervous about um, about being in front of people as far as at the show. Like I'm, it bothers me more to be at a horse show not showing than it does to show i mean because i at least want to have the opportunity i want to have a dog in the fight you know i'm i really i i love those i love those moments of of feeling the nerves and you know it it makes your you know makes your hair stand up makes you feel alive you know and uh when you have those opportunities and and have had some really nice horses and like especially like showing 30 finals and world's greatest finals like that's I, I love that stuff. I mean, that's that's what I that's what I live for. How do you deal with those those nerves or that excitement? You know, I I try to I try to really at at that moment when I get into um, when I get close to showing and getting ready to step in the pen, I really try to go into a state of uh, focus for me where I just, I block everything out and I really just start thinking about my horse and, and executing whether it's if I'm going in the rain work and just thinking maneuver for maneuver, this is, this is what I need to do. I'm, I'm going to run my circles and this is what I'm going to do. And I just have it in my, I have it in my head of my game plan um, on, on what I'm going to do. Um, the cow events, it's not its not quite as easy because obviously you're dealing with cattle and so you kind of have to go off of the fly. But I also, you know, like in the herd work, when you're, when you're cutting your cows and you're going to, you're going to go show, I want to, um, I want the, I want to show those judges, um, the best version of my horse possible. So if I have a horse that's going to be really electric and really cut and really take it to that next level, I'm going to really hone in and focus on, on my cattle and doing my best job and cutting my cattle that I have wrote down and watched and studied and don't get baited into, um, you know, don't get baited into just doing what's safe. Like I'm, it's kind of a live by the sword, die by the sword type of deal. Like I'm either going to make it work the way I want it to work in, in those situations and try to cut, you know, try to cut and be, you know, offensive or it's, it's not going to work out. Um, and, and I feel like if I, the most disappointed in myself that I've ever been showing is when, when I don't, uh, when I don't follow my own game plan, you know, and, because I know that my game plan is formulated from education of that horse and knowing that that's how that horse works the best and that's the way he shows the best and this is what I need to do. And, you know, you get into, you know, speed jam and go, oh, oh I'm just going to go with this cow over here that I don't really know or is not. I've regretted it every time, you know, instead of saying, hey, 
I get with my guys and, and we, uh, you know, we make a game plan and we all know where we're going and, and we just go try to make the best out of it, you know, um, and same deal down the fence, you know, you gotta just, you gotta just focus in on what you know that that, where that horse is strong and, and, you know, where you need to be smart and just go make the best run you can. Um, but I think, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a better, a better feeling than going into the finals of any of those events. You know, I mean, you already feel like you've accomplished something to be in the finals with that group of guys and girls and, and those great horses, you've already, you've already accomplished something. So you really, you know, the majority of the pressure I think people put on themselves is unnecessary. Definitely. So put together a plan and and stick to that plan. Stick to your plan, and then you can you can change it at the next horse show. Any personal habits that you feel like make you successful? Maybe daily habits. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think uh, nowadays, now that now that my kids are here, um, I think. Uh, you know, I try to take a little extra time in the mornings for me um, that uh, have my coffee. You know, I, I try to make sure that I'm here to get Josie out of bed in the morning um, before I go to work and just try to get my day started off right with, you know, having breakfast with my family and doing that. And then, um, you know, kind of get everything ready to rock and roll. And then we uh, go at it and work hard all day. You know, I think... Um, you know, I think those things for me help alleviate the pressures and stress and all the rest of the stuff that comes along with just trying to run these businesses and, and, you know, trying to keep everybody happy and trying to, you know, um, trying to do the best job you can for your owners and, um, for your horses and your family, supporting your family and everything else. I mean, I think it's, it's just, uh, prioritizing and, and trying to, you know, um, I usually get up early and have my coffee in the morning while I'm waiting for Josie to wake up and kind of I I think about my day and 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 really try to make a game plan on particular horses that I'm thinking about that I want to go and work on certain things and and same deals like we were talking about showing I mean I try to have a plan of attack of what you know what I want to work on in that particular piece on that horse and how to move that horse forward and up into the um up into the next level and so i you know having that having that little bit of uh quiet time first thing in the morning and then you know spend a little time with the family and then it's game on it's back to that life balance and then it sounds like you have a plan every day absolutely um yeah because without balance it's it it's it's not going to be worth it in the long run you know um, so without, without my family and being involved and being able to have the successes that I've had with all the support from my mom and dad and, um, and my wife and kids and, you know, without, without all that, I mean, um, you know, uh, none of this would have even been possible anyways, you know? And so if you're, uh, it's not very in, enjoyable if you're trying to enjoy it by yourself. Yep. And now you're an NRCHA million dollar rider. Yes. What does that mean to you? Um, 
It's it's awesome. Uh, you know, um, when they first started kind of keeping track of that, and when they first started having million dollar, you know, having people recognized for being a million dollar writer. Um, I don't even remember what year they started it at, but I was a long ways off of a million dollars, and I was like, holy smokes, like a million dollars, like that just felt, it felt like it was going to be a 20-year process, you know, just, it's just, if you could get there, like that's a lot of winning, you know, and uh, I just remember being like, wow, you know, million dollars in earnings, that was incredible, you know, um, and then as you kind of start you know, things start progressing and snowballing and you start having some success. And I never really, I never really thought that much about it. Um, because that's not really the, the, my main focus, whether, whether I ever achieved it or not, um, you know, wasn't something that I really had, had focused on. But as we started getting closer, I think we did a, we did a bio for, one of these horse shows and um and i realized we were starting to get closer to it you know and and it was just uh it was exciting you know i mean it was exciting to be because i mean there's a lot of my my friends and and guys i've looked up to for a long time that that have achieved that and uh, i definitely i i definitely had it on my bucket list for sure you know so it uh but it's just a, a lot of people have helped me along the way, you know, to even give me an opportunity and, and trust me with their horses to go show their horses to make it possible for me to be able to do that. So I really feel like it's a, it's an accomplishment that, that we have all, you know, we have all been involved with and everybody that I've showed horses for and had success on their horses. I mean, this is all, you know, my hat's off to them too because I couldn't have done it without them. So what's next? Man, um, my my two big ones are uh, World's Greatest and, and the Futurity. Are you taking Mitch back to World's Greatest? Yes, yes. I'm going to take Mitch back t- for World's Greatest this year um, and uh, make another run at him. We've, uh, we've had some close calls. I, think I was second on Dom DeLuise twice. And uh, second on Mitch, and so we're getting closer. We're working our way closer to it. <laughs> yep, slowly but surely. Yep. So, what would be your one takeaway for us? What's something that we should learn from you to be successful when working with our horses? Um, I think one thing that that I've that I've tried to work on is is just the consistency in our horses and. And really educating yourself on, um, you know, what the judges want to see, and and be be brutally honest with yourself, um, and watch your videos with an objective eye, and and surround yourself with um, with the best horsemen that you can find, and and really trying to absorb and learn and learn from them. And, and like I said, I've had some great ones, but I mean, I've, I have great friends that I show with that help me at every show, you know, with just the, the little things that are, that are constantly the competitiveness of, of keeping yourself surrounded with guys like that. Um, 
elevates you to the next level and it helps you be a better horseman and it helps you be a better showman and and just surrounding yourself in the best situation you possibly can and and you know there's so many things now that if you don't have access to it i mean with uh you know with chc and all the different outlets that they have there's so many good horse trainers on there giving you advice um you know it's it's such a constant learning uh process that you you're never going to learn it all i mean and it's just everybody's working really really hard to to do it but i think that that would be the big thing is just is be consistent and and try to uh try to train your horses to the best level that it, that horse can be you know and you'll have you'll have a horse that you can show for a long time with a lot of success cool um well we can learn more about you uh, at philiprawlsperformancehorses.com and on Facebook. Yes. Anywhere else we should look for you? Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. Hopefully the show pen. And of course the show pen. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Finding the Feel. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook to join the conversation. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share with a friend very much appreciated. Until next time.